Welcome to this webinar series, Physical Activity Researcher Podcast and International Society for Physical Activity and Health, ISPA, have started a collaboration. We have edited their webinars to audio-only podcast versions, so you can listen them also on the go. Some of the talks refer quite a bit to the slides, so if you want to later check them also, you can find the webinar versions on ISPA's YouTube channel. Our mission is to advance science and share scientific knowledge, so if your organization has relevant webinars or lectures and would like to get more audience to them, please let us know. But without further ado, let's jump to the webinar. So our last presentation today is from Dr. Seb Chaston, who is a professor of human behavior dynamics at Glasgow Caledonian University in Ghent University. He devoted his early work to understanding the dynamics of rest and activity sequences. As such, he worked a lot on the analysis of sedentary behavior. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. I'm Sebastian Chastin from Glasgow Caledonian University, Ghent University and Javascula University. And I'm delighted to be here with you and I would like to thank the Sedentary Behaviour Research Network for putting this seminar together and inviting me. Um, asked me to do a talk about analysing sedentary behaviour, I was really immediately um, worried about raising expectations. Um, essentially, when it comes down to analyzing sedentary behavior, and it's a question I have very often, which is, what is the best way? And, and there's no such thing. It, there is no panacea in it. But analyzing sedentary behavior really depends on, mainly on two things. What, what is really your research question? What are you interested in? Are you interested in the volume, in the pattern of sedentary behavior? Are you asking? interested in putting together some uh, cohorts with some association? Are you trying to detect something or discriminate between groups? Are you trying to see if sedentary behavior has changed as a result of an intervention in an RCT? Um, it also very much depends on the measurement of your sedentary time, because the measurement essentially is going to distort reality uh, to your point. And I refer you to that excellent um, uh, review uh, published recently by uh, Simone Borema uh, around this, where she digs into this a lot. So before we go there, I think it's important to understand a bit more about uh, sedentary behavior itself and within the lens of human behavior dynamics. Essentially, life is a sequence of events of choices, and some of these choices are sedentary behavior. And our human behavior is not run like a clock is actually incredibly bursty. It's been shown for just about every aspect of our daily life. We do things in burst. Uh, we walk in burst, we write emails in burst, and most of the time in between this, we have a, a pose. And most of these poses are sedentary behavior in the kind of rest or activity. And that burstiness means our behavior has dynamics that are non-linear and that don't really conform to what we usually do in statistics 
using uh, kind of linear models or uh, simple normal distribution of this kind of thing. The only other things to really take into account is the fact that sedentary behavior is also dependent and connected to other behavior. We have only 24 hours in a day, which means when I'm sedentary, I am not something else and vice versa, which means that when I record sedentary time, I'm also recording non-sedentary time or the sum of uh, moderate to vigorous activity, light activity and sleep. That means that every time uh, the, the idea that sedentary behavior is uncorrelated or can be studied in isolation from these this other behavior is a little bit flawed from the start. And we have to bear this in mind at all time, because otherwise we make unrealistic assumptions. And we have to remember that sedentary behavior is an overarching term, and then there is many types of them. And these might have very different consequences on our health, or uh, we might have to change them in, in a different way. So it really depends on also the type of sedentary behavior you're trying to tackle. And I refer you to uh, the taxonomy we've developed uh, around sedentary behavior to help classify these times more effectively to uh, improve research in that respect. So we invested time in developing this uh, as a consensus. And we welcome uh, addition and, and, and updates on it. So <clears throat> let's talk first about volume. Uh, so it's a quest, quest, the kind of questions we want to ask about how much people do or how much is associated with. Um, the first thing to, to think in this is that we can actually harmonize our measurement a little bit. And again, my group at the Glasgow Cato University invested uh, um, a lot of time in de developing kind of harmonization structures for this. So we developed a, a taxonomy for self-reported uh, sedentary behavior tools and we then validated that against uh, active power times, which is probably what is the best kind of gold standard in terms of uh, sitting time measurements. And then we give you in a second paper uh, a systematic comparative and validation of self-reported tools against active power, but you can do the same with other uh, objective monitors and simple equations that just take away any kind of um, systematic error due to under-reporting or over-reporting um, and it enable you to actually harmonize it. The second step is to think uh, in terms of compositional data. As I said, sedentary time is actually connected to the other ones, to the other behavior. So that means that sedentary behavior volume is actually a compositional data. It's not on its own. It's it's relative to the rest of the time of the day. And there's been some real progress in this done over the years in terms of analyzing this in a compositional way, which means you analyze the relative contribution of the volume of sedentary behavior and you are able to adjust your models for the other behavior, which is art, which is also important. Uh, I refer you to the latest paper here in the Journal of Physical Activity and Health as part of the World Health Organization guidelines, uh, special issue. Now, now we look into pattern and that's what a lot of people are interested in. And we have to, as I said, because of the bursty nature, 
uh, of human activity, the periods of uh, sedentary behavior are not distributed normally. They are actually distributed as a power law, which means we have a lot of um, very short bouts of sitting that contribute very little in terms of the total volume, but instead also we have very few um, very long bouts of sedentary behavior that contribute a great deal to the total volume. And that's the, 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 the distribution you can see at the bottom. So there is a, an iniquity, if you want, between the, uh, the frequency of really short bouts that contribute little and the, the, the very few number of long bouts that contribute a lot. Um, and we have to take this into account uh, in our analysis because it's significant for the behavior, but it's also significant for the statistics we use. So in pattern, the problem is we always try to break this down into frequency of duration. But because of that distribution, this is actually terribly difficult to entangle. Uh, so what I've seen over the years in papers and various uh, studies is people have tried this. So uh, let's, let's break this down if we can. So frequency, we're all familiar with this concept of breaks. That was really a breakthrough by Genevieve Ely, and that was a, a wonderful thing. But if we analyze the concept of breaks a bit more, we realize that breaks is also the number of bouts. And e, that will be an indicator that would depend entirely about on your recording length. If you have two sets of uh, the same set of data, I advise you to do this experiment and reduce the, uh, the recording time artificially uh, by cutting your data series, and you'll find that your number of breaks changes. And because we often don't control that recording time, that means that indicator is not terribly robust. And if we think about the connection between sedentary behavior and the other behavior due to the 24-hour encapsulation, we also have to think that breaks in sedentary behavior is also the frequency of light activity. And sometimes I see papers that analyze both things, put them in the same model, and don't realize that it's actually the same um, the same cons construct. So it's not terribly robust. Uh, to improve this a little bit, we can uh, normalize uh, the, the number of bouts to the recording length. And this is essentially the fragmentation index. Uh, and it's a little bit better. Uh, uh, you normalize the number of breaks to the total sedentary time. We have also, I've also seen people have attempted to calculate the probability of transition. So you know, how am I likely to transition from a state of physical activity to a state of sedentary behavior? That's a really clever idea, but when you analyze it mathematically, actually it is the same as the total sedentary time. So we're back to square one. Um, if we go to duration, uh, people often calculate a mean uh, bout length, so that, that is a, no, a normal distribution type of mean, and that is essentially undefined, so I wouldn't advise that at all. Uh, instead, we've proposed to use the average uh, bout length, or also what we call the half-life bout length, uh, sometimes written down as W50. It's also what you think about the most likely bout length in a, in a person's pattern, and is weighted to this power law distribution to take into account in this imbalance. So it's a little bit better an indicator of, of duration. But what we often favor is to use uh, combined indicators. So indicators are based on the distributions. So in, when we have a normal distribution, 
we can characterize the distribution by the mean and standard, and the standard deviation, and that tells us everything about what's uh, inside that distribution. For a power law, this is uh, characterized by a single number, so that's really nice, um, which is called alpha, it's the exponent, and it's the most robust indicator you can have of a pattern of sedentary behavior. Uh, we've also proposed to, to use the Gini index because it's related and that you can actually calculate one from the other. But it's it's useful in some places, but not so easy to interpret. Um, finally, I've seen a lot of, uh, of uh, studies that have used cut points. So uh, they'll count the number of bouts, a bit of 20 minutes and or 30 minutes and uh, make, make uh, bins like this. Uh, and those essentially are uh, arbitrary, and if you change these bins, you might change, see a change in results. So it's not terribly robust, and I wouldn't advise that. Better to use the, the, the distribution uh, altogether and use alpha. So that gives you a, a scope of a different type of pattern uh, metrics that have been um, that have been developed. And now we have to see how, which one to, we might want to prefer using. And it's often the case, actually, we found that uh, if you are trying to do your analysis, to do the analysis on the pattern metrics, and then try to calculate after that what that entails for volume or frequency of bouts, because you can calculate that back. Uh, but do the statistics on the uh, pattern metrics because they tend to be more sensitive. And there's been a, a really nice study done, done by John Pelletier in 2017 around what was the best uh, metric to use for cohort studies. And he found that the exponent of the distribution alpha is gives you more sensitivity in terms of detecting associations. And you can still uh, calculate a chain uh, difference in volume if you wanted to uh, tracking back on your data. But in terms of getting a uh, in terms of getting a, um, a discriminant uh, or an inferential statistics is better to use alpha. In terms of sensitivity to change uh, uh, for like RCTs or this kind of things, we uh, investigated that in 2015 and we found that the half-life bout is probably better. Uh, you can understand that pattern uh, is probably more sensitive because if you're trying to change sedentary behavior, to change the volume of sedentary behavior, you're going to have to change the pattern. And in particularly, you're going to have to change these longer bouts. So it makes sense that it's the bout duration that is going to be this kind of more sensitive and we just have to get a good statistics for this. In terms of discriminating between groups or trying to develop phenotypes that kind of thing, uh, I would think at the moment uh, the gene index is probably the most sensitive indicator you could use. Now we can also look at uh, analyzing type of context of sedentary behavior. We have better data using maybe cameras or these things or, or questionnaires or this kind of thing. And then for that, we can use the standard sedentary behavior taxonomy, uh, the C taxonomy. And I invite you to, to go and have a look at a paper done by my colleague at Ghent, Sophie Compagnoli, who looks at the difference in context-specific behaviors and digs a bit more into the type of behavior 
and what their, their association with health are. And this is actually done within a compositional context because you can imagine the different type of sedentary behavior actually makes a composition of the total volume of sedentary behavior. Uh, <clears throat> so essentially that's, that's a, a, a whirlwind tour of different ways of analyzing sedentary behavior and what might or might not be uh, better. But I encourage you to really think about what you want out of your analysis, set your questions carefully, understand your measurement, and understand, more importantly, the data. Look at the distribution. Look at the way they are um, changing as, as a consequence of different processing problems. So thank you very much for listening, uh, and I'll be happy to take uh, questions either now or uh, through email. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Shaston. Great talk. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.